Hello, everyone, and welcome to Focal Point, the IMV Imaging Podcast. We are now up to episode two, uh, and I have the usual team with me today, Kat Evans. Hi there. And Sam Mocklin. Hi, everyone. As always, we're going to be chatting about a topic related to the field of diagnostic imaging, specifically in veterinary practice. And today, we thought we would discuss the servicing and maintenance of diagnostic imaging equipment. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good thing to talk about because it's not always something that we probably consider when thinking about imaging equipment. Um, I was always more focused on the applications or the features of the systems, the things you could play with. Um, I, I never really thought about what would happen if there was a, a problem with the equipment or something went wrong. So what we're going to do, we've invited along our own IMV service manager, Sean Stevenson, and he's going to give us some answers and we'll have a good discussion around some of the importance of servicing. Sean joined IMV Imaging back in September 2009 when it was still BCF technology. And in his role as the IMV service manager, he's responsible for ensuring that all the UK service operations working effectively and efficiently keeping up to date with making sure customers are up and running whenever possible. And Sean also works with our suppliers who provide our third-party equipment um, and has a lot of discussions with our customers to ensure that we're meeting their needs. So welcome to the show, Sean. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, Sean. I think First off, a good place to start for, for people who people maybe haven't thought about sort of service and maintenance is, to, is just kind of what does it entail with all this sort of wide range of equipment that, that's out there? How is sort of servicing done? So as you say, there's quite a wide range of equipment out there um, and each of the systems do have their own specific checks that, that we would need to do. Um, but what we're really checking, kind of the basics are um, full functionality checks against any manufactured guidelines um, and using our own expertise um, and experience to identify any issues that we've seen kind of you know, reoccurring through the past uh, with these systems, uh, maybe through the way systems are being looked after or anything like that. Um, we, we really just want to make sure these systems are working where you need it most um, and we're carrying out the service either on site um, or at one of our service centres uh, to, to be able to do that servicing. That's fantastic. Thanks, Sean. Um, I guess one of the big questions that our customers may have um, is that the sort of routine maintenance um, process that you're, you've detailed there, is it actually important? Do, do they really need to be doing that? And if so, why? What's the benefit of it? Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it, this kind of follows on from kind of Sam's comment earlier about you know you never really think about when the equipment's you know if it's going to go wrong when you need it most, and often people don't consider issues until you've actually got that problem in hand, and it always happens at that worst possible time. You know, you've maybe got an animal sedated and you're trying to perform an X-ray, um, and for some reason the system's not working. So keeping your equipment imaging um, is kind of our, our top priority. Um, and through preventative maintenance, you know, we can hopefully spot these issues before they become bigger issues. 
um, you know, if you've got an X-ray generator, for example, is that giving you out the, the, the KV and MES that you expect it to be giving out when you're, when you're changing that on the system itself? Um, you know, we're also looking at, um, quite ironically, like you, you're maybe using a, say an X-ray system or an ultrasound system or a CT to, to look inside an animal. But what's actually happening inside that system? Um, you know, it, these are used in environments where there you know, there's quite a lot of hair sometimes. These can get into the systems and cause issues. So by us opening up the system and checking the insides of it, what, what's going on in there and, and can we prevent anything from happening, um, you know, by, by checking that. And that, uh, that, I think, is perhaps something that um, our customer base can relate to, isn't it? In that, uh, um, you know, preventative healthcare, if you like, is one of the cornerstones of veterinary practice. And it's probably something that as clinicians, we can all relate to fairly easily. We're obviously reasonably used to having to explain the benefits of preventative healthcare to to clients. And it's really just exactly the same principle. It's that, that concept of trying to head off the um, potential issues and faults sort of at the past, as it were, and, and deal with them actually before they become an issue. Yeah, I, I think, um, Sean, you, you make a really good point just about um, the, the sort of the whole idea of having an animal on the, the table or being in the middle of the procedure and something going wrong. I, I just, when I sort of think about that, I, I almost, I almost kind of, your, your blood almost runs cold a bit to thinking about what being in a situation where you needed that equipment there and working and it, it, it's suddenly not, not functioning and um, anything that sort of stops that from happening. Yeah, it's just, it's definitely of, of, a, of, a, of definitely very important so i think we can all agree that it's important to maintain the equipment but do you actually think sean that this is something people think about when they're buying equipment um what maintenance is recommended etc um and the one that came to mind for me is that very often i think we forget that warranties on systems can be linked to whether or not it's been correctly maintained um, and the best way to correctly maintain it obviously i presume is to have it serviced so what do you think, Sean? You're absolutely correct. Um, we're, we are starting to see a growing number um, of, of people thinking about service. Um, and a lot of this is is probably to kind of Sam's point of they, they've, they've been in a situation where they went to use that equipment um, and it, it's maybe not worked when they've needed it the most. And a lot of the problems that we've seen in the past could have been prevented. Um, you know, these could have been spotted as part of our you know, one of our annual services. Um, and you know we could have that equipment would have been working when they went to use it. So people are starting to think about it more. Um, and I, I think as we're seeing technology advance as well, you know, people are you know thinking of more of a, like a, a computer in a way, um, and making sure there's new software is up to date and things like that. And we are seeing a growing number of people asking us, are there the latest software versions, for example? Um, you you make a good point about the the warranty of equipment, and it's it's quite an important it's quite an important part part of this is you know equipments do have a warranty on, on the on you know on the new any new equipment that you've purchased however if if a fault has occurred because the system hasn't been been maintained properly so I'll give you a little example of that um we the the ultrasound example is these systems are usually you've maybe clipped the, the some of the, the kind of fur off the off the dog say um and unfortunately some of that loose hair then gets sucked up by the fan inside uh, and goes inside your ultrasound scanner. 
over time, that starts to clog the system up and prevents the ventilation of that system and can cause the system to then overheat. You can then potentially blow one of the boards because of the excess heat that's built up. Um, and unfortunately, t issues like potentially like that might not be covered under a warranty because it's not a system, you know, it's not a fault of the electronics, it's because the system hasn't been maintained and um, has caused that issue to occur. Uh, we, we do also kind of offer quite a lot of information on our website that you, you can see about uh, some preventative maintenance options that we have there and um, different levels of contracts for any equipment that you've already got. And for any equipment that you're thinking about buying, your, your local account manager would also be able to go through that at the point that you were discussing any, any new equipment with them. Thanks, Sean. That, that's great. Um, just a bit more information on, on the service department within IMV. What, what does the department look like? Uh, sort of how many people do we have doing it and, and, and how is how's it sort of done? So our, our UK team is is made up of, of kind of four distinct areas. Um, we we have our kind of service administration team who uh, manage any site visits or parts, um, any of our service contracts that we've got there. The other kind of first point of contact that you'll speak to. From there, we then have um, kind of three different engineering teams. Um, we have a remote support team who um, you know will, will fix a lot of equipment remotely um, and can also kind of remotely update systems and things like that as well. We have a service centre team who are made up of electrical and mechanical engineers um, and for any equipment sent into the office, those guys will, will, will look at that. Um, and then we also have a nationwide field service team uh, that's able to visit any of the practices um, where maybe we can't get that equipment into, into the office um, or unable to, to look at it remotely. Um, so yeah, we can actually come into your, your own practice to, to service this equipment as well. Thanks, John. That, that's uh, that's a great answer, and and it's nice to know that um, I ho hopefully for our customers that we have this service team here. We're um, very proud of the service team, and I think rightly so. Um, I guess one thing that the the customer base we have might, or potential future customer base, might be wondering is, can I just do these services ad hoc, um, kind of as and when I. Uh, get round to thinking about it when I think there uh, may be a, a problem brewing, uh, or is there is there an advantage to, to having some sort of in, um, agreement in place, a maintenance agreement, as we refer to them, uh, to do this in a more proactive way? Yes, it's a very good question. So that we do have two options. One, you can um, phone up when you would like a service, and 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 we would then arrange that with, with the kind of practice directly. Um, the other option, as you say, is to go into what we call preventive maintenance um, agreement. Um, that is fully managed by by IMV. So we would we would call you to remind you that your service is due. We would then book in the service engineer visit. Um, if you needed to loan equipment at the time of service, we would provide that. Um, so we take over the full, the full management of of the equipment that's under the agreement, and that can be one item to an infinite number of items at your practice. Uh, and, and we would manage that, that whole thing for you and take away the stress of having to deal with that and think about when is that servicing due? Um, you know, if you've got an audit by the, the health and safety executive, for example, you, you'll have all your certificates available uh, for your x-ray equipment um, that's all passed its tests and things like that. The, 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 main adv the other advantage of going into the agreement is you get other benefits there um, such as free remote support. 
Um, so in the event that something does go wrong and you phone into the office, uh, one of our engineers can re remotely diagnose that, and that's all included within the service maintenance agreement. So you're kind of coming into more of a fixed cost price for, for, for the maintain, maintenance of that equipment over, over the year. Um, if you require a loan, and like I said earlier, in an event of a, a breakdown or anything like that, uh, you would also get that provided free of charge um, as part of that, that contract agreement. Um, any software bug fixes would also be part of the preventive maintenance agreement, and um, again to kind of make sure that equipment is imaging um, as you know as much as possible. Um, the other advantage is we're we're really looking at um, prolonging the life of this equipment. So it's not just about that year in question. Um, it's also just making sure that that, that long term return on that equipment is there. Um, and we're able to keep that equipment running as, as long as possible. That's great, Sean. Yeah, it's um, it's great to to know all of that, and I think a lot of people um, will want to know how they can how they can keep things working as as best as possible for for as long as possible. I think I think on that point, just sort of throwing it out to sort of to, to sort of everybody is what what do we think are the most common issues people experience, and 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 how do we think people could maybe avoid those in practice when they're when they're using um, their equipment it, it's again a very good question um the, one of the common things that, that we see is the the, the little trackball on the ultrasound uh, scanners is they can often get um kind of hair uh, caught in them and you can get the, the trackball not responding maybe the way you think it, it, it should or it maybe jumps a little bit and it, it, it's as simple as just unscrewing the little cap on the top, taking it out, giving it a little clean, and then make, blowing any dirt out of there, and then just putting that back on. And we, we do see quite a lot of, we do get a lot of phone calls about things like that. Um, and, and people and, can do that themselves, Sean, that's something they, that you do you do yourself uh, in practice. You, you can, absolutely. Um, that, that's something you can do. We, we also can provide you information over the phone um, or... Um, we, we do have kind of uh, video conferencing software as well that we can talk you through and, and show you if you want to kind of get um, some more reassurance before you do that. But that is something you can do yourself. Um, one, one of the other things I'd like to mention is um, if, if you think the system isn't running the way it should do, where that be maybe an error message that comes up on the screen that, that you maybe just click OK, um, just let us know, um, and and we, you know, if you're in doubt, give us a call, um, and we can then advise the best course of action. Um, a, a lot of things that we see and I've heard from our customers is they had a message pop up on the screen maybe a week ago, but but had just ignored it. Um, please don't ignore it. Please just give us a call, um, and then we can then let you know what's doing, and we can then manage that. Um, with you to either get somebody on site or somebody can fix that remotely and again keep keep your system imaging as long as possible is is there um is there value in people maybe taking a photo of the error messages or is that something that we can um we can sort of you you can see on the system and you, there, there's no harm in taking a note of the system um that sort of the error message um or um, the, even the date and time of when that came up, because we can then look into the error logs of the system and pinpoint it to, to the exact thing. So they are logged on the systems. But yeah, the main thing is if you just can you note the date and time of when it happened, um, we, we can then take it from there. I think there are perhaps a, a, a couple of other bits to add uh, regarding common service issues. And 
I have a couple of ideas, I guess, or a couple of things in mind that I see uh, not infrequently, sadly. Uh, slightly tangential to service, I suppose, but number one is people with ultrasound equipment doing uh, needle, you know, ultrasound guided needle uh, biopsy procedures, FNAs, uh, true cuts, and so on, stabbing uh, probe um, surfaces, so that the uh, latex cover over the elements on the probe face. That um, is is usually very bad news for the probe, um, and is something that can be obviously easily avoided. Um, as I say, I appreciate perhaps not directly service related, other than I think sometimes it's maybe not realised or recognised fully that damage to the probe face is is not serviceable. Uh, in, in the most part, I think I'm, I'm right in that saying that, Sean, and therefore that's something to avoid where possible. The other it relates to um, archiving of data and again i don't want to go down the sort of rabbit rabbit hole of data archiving but suffice to say um it's something i see depressingly frequently sadly is steps not being taken proactively to um put in place some form some method of getting ultrasound data off an ultrasound machine and there's a twofold danger with that one the only copy you have uh, at any given moment in time of those studies is on the ultrasound machine and if it should break for whatever reason or be stolen or you know uh, heaven forbid there'd be a fire in a practice or what have you uh, then of course that data may be gone but the other thing is that yeah, ultimately ultrasound machines do have a finite capacity to store data and depending on the age of your system and how quickly you are adding to that data uh, volume if you like on on an ultrasound machine you can cause untold service grief um by by getting to a point when the ultrasound hard drive is full um it then becomes a service issue because actually um the, there's then essentially no space to store anything on the scanner and, and, it, and it can grind to a halt um so uh keeping these things in mind and bearing in mind the consequences potentially and having to if you like almost trying to avoid having to get to a service stage with those sorts of things is uh is just as important and and, and can, to some extent could be considered i think in in parallel with the sort of planned maintenance agreement or that that sort of preventative healthcare of your ultrasound system type of approach absolutely ben i think that's a, a really good point and I, I think if i think back to my um university days um and when i did a really important essay or report for my class, um, I would make sure that that essay was backed up everywhere possible. And <laughs> should something go wrong, because you all know how long it takes to write some of this stuff up, um, you know, and, 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 and review, you know, if you passed articles and things like that, and, and put that all into kind of a, you know, a, a kind of report format. Um, and but unfortunately, it's something that that many people forget in their their, their working careers is it's still important to back up that data because you may need to refer back to that image at some other point um, so making sure it's backed up is, is, is real key so it's a very good point I think that's also something that really is a passion of mine because I'm obviously working more on the x-ray and the CT side of things that I've found yeah, having been in the company for a long time, like you, Sean, that some of the extra equipment that I come across when doing follow-up training has been in sort of five plus years and it's running really slowly. 
And then when your guys log on to it and have a look, it's just clogged up with data. Um, and that's just caused everything to go real slow. And if you can get that data off and onto packs or something, you gain that speed and functionality back on an older computer. And with the CT scanners that I work with, they physically will reach a point where they will unable to continue working. And I know on multiple types of CT that we work with that this has been actually a cause of service calls because there is no space left on the machine for it to actually acquire any more data. And obviously that will always happen during the worst possible moment where the last thing you want to be doing is having to delete old patients and check things are backed up. Um, also, you know, on the x-ray side of things, simple things like cleaning the x-ray cassettes, um, it's something I would cover when I'm doing training, but I can, I never forget not long after I joined the company going into a practice where they had a really weird artifact and it was actually poo streaks where some foreign matter had got onto the end of the cassette and gone into the cassette and streaked across the screen. And obviously, if it's in the cassette and in the, on the screen, that's then going to go into the processor, which your guys then have to deal with. Um, and I know we've also had issues with sandbags. You know, I love sandbags. When you're positioning a patient, sandbags are brilliant. But once they get damaged, sand inside electrical equipment is a nightmare, isn't it? Um, and then you end up with scratches on the CR screens. You know, you can create so many issues. Do you, would you agree with me on that, Sean? Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, we we've, we have had quite a few instances in the past of of, of sandbags bursting um, and going into the system. Um, and as as I'm sure everybody's aware from walking down our beaches, sand just seems to be able to get absolutely everywhere. Um, and trying to get it out, it can be a, a bit of a nightmare. Uh, and as you say, it can cause quite a lot of damage to to electronics. Um, so it's, it, it can be quite a big problem. Um, I think also the other one on the CT side of things um, is contrast agent. We use it for nearly every CT scan, but contrast agent is very, very sticky when it dries. Um, and if you actually get it in the bore of the scanner, so the actual center of the scanner, it will actually cause artifact and streaking across your images. So that often is noticed by the scanner when it's doing calibration tests, but it's something that's worth keeping an eye on, making sure it's cleaned up because these things can happen. Um, but then it's sort of important to make sure you have cleaned it up as well as being an infection control thing. Um, and on the CT scanners, we do recommend doing regular QA scans um, because that actually can help you spot if there's something going wrong before you need us. Um, Sean, would you say there's anything you can do to help keep your generator happy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, one of the things that you, you really should remember is when your generator has been turned off is um, for any period of time, it could just be overnight or, or, or you know, over maybe a weekend, you, you should do a warm up procedure of that generator. Um, and what we've what we've seen, especially with the kind of current climate you know, with a lot of practices not maybe using some of their equipment as often um, is they've had their generator turned off for, say, you know, a long weekend. Uh, they then have an emergency case that, that comes in. And unfortunately, what they then do is, is put that generator to you know, sometimes the highest settings that it can do to take an x-ray. The electronics of the generator can't cope with that. You know, it's, it's effectively like a cold start to a car. You, know, it, it just, you just need to be very careful about how quickly you drive that car and you have to allow it to warm up. The generator is exactly the same. 
you should do some kind of shots at a low KV and MAS, and then can can go build up from there you know, over a couple of minutes. Now, I'm sure you've seen this cat in your experience as well. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I'd say when you're doing that from a radiation safety point of view is if you actually shut the collimators down totally, you can do those warm-up shots with much less risk of radiation out into the room. But obviously do remember to re open them back up again because I'm fairly sure I remember years ago a generator coming in because they were getting no images on the plate and it was the collimators were shut, which is a very simple mistake to make, but actually brings me on to something I see a lot with the application side of things is, especially nowadays, people change practice more often, you know, staff change. And if you've got a piece of equipment that requires knowledge to use it, it's important to make sure that new staff are properly trained and don't assume that if you've used x-ray at one practice, you know how to use it at the next. Um, so make sure that, you know, even recommend having a key user who is the person in the practice who is really confident, enjoys using the kit and is then happy to take on and train new staff members and make sure that they're confident and competent. Because it's nothing more embarrassing than actually arranging a service on a machine, getting somebody to come out to discover there was nothing wrong with the machine and it was like a bit of a glitch. Would you say that's something you'd agree with, Sean? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. The, sometimes you just want to check, as you say, the, the, the kind of basics, you know, is the collimator open? Um, and and, and on, on the kind of collimator part of things, we, we have had some phone calls where people have, have, have said they've had poor image quality of the system. Um, and sometimes that could just be caused by you've collimated your image down. Um, however, what you've maybe not done is, is crop that image within the software. So the software itself, sometimes it can be very intelligent and it can pick it up automatically, but sometimes it can't quite tell where the edge of that X-ray is. So by just using the kind of uh, cropping tool, you can then focus on that kind of area of interest um, and that can drastically improve the image quality. And I know, Kat, we, we, we've dealt with some calls jointly on that where, where customers have, have, have called the image down. They're a very good job, but the system just hasn't picked that up. And, and as soon as we manually crop it, the image quality changed drastically. Yeah, it's definitely something that can happen. And it's even down related to that is there's little tricks that you can have, almost like x-ray hacks, where if you know those tricks, you help the machine. And one of the ones that's really simple and silly is if you use the center of the detector, you'll get the best image quality because part of the programming tends to be the assumption that the patient will be in the middle of the plate. So if the patient's off center, which sometimes we have to do because of anatomy, it makes it harder for the computer to work this out. And it's often looking for strong obvious black and white lines which doesn't always happen on an x-ray and when they were doing the programming the way i understand it is if the computer's too carried away with black and white lines things like the femur look like a black and white line so they had to make the cropping software not too clever because otherwise it gets confused so you know simple things be in the center of the plate use the right exposure will help and then it means if there is genuine an issue we can then help you more but, you know, if you're confident using it as well, you can spot if something's different. So if you use a machine every day, ultrasound or x-ray, and then it starts doing something a bit different, 
or it starts being a bit slower than normal or there's a sort of a dead space appears on your ultrasound probe that can help you spot things sometimes before they become really bad um, and would you think as well sort of ben and sam with the probes probe connectors would you say everybody's confident reattaching probes Um, I, I, I think uh, I, I think there's a fairly straightforward answer to that, which is no. Um, inevitably, I suppose, in line with what you were talking about earlier, there, Cap, being familiar with your equipment. Clearly, if you have somebody who is using it regularly, um, particularly if you've got a site that has had multiple different probes, where they may be having to switch between probes on a re fairly regular basis, then sure, I, you know, people will become will become familiar with those um, and and probably then uh, issues are minimized albeit that however well you uh, are aware of the sort of handling procedures for connecting and disconnecting a probe ultimately connecting and disconnecting will cause wear and tear um, but if you have a practice where perhaps they traditionally only had one probe uh, and then they buy another one. So all of a sudden they're having to connect and disconnect when they weren't used to it. Or, of course, with the uh, staff change uh, sort of situation that you mentioned or alluded to earlier there, Kat, um, then clearly, yes, again, people might have absolutely no idea. And for the most part, um, some of these probe connectors can seem intuitive kind of broadly, but then actually, the, 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 if you like, the fiddly little details can actually become relevant. So, for example, I, th I think of something like, you know, a locking mechanism to secure a probe in place. Quite often, you'll have something along the lines of um, uh, a sort of little small rotating handle or, or lever, which you have to have in a, in a, for want of a better term, a kind of open position. You connect the, the probe connector. You then rotate it maybe, say, through 90 or 180 degrees to a locked position. And actually, if you're trying to jam the probe in when it's not in the correct open position or similarly disconnect it when it's not fully unlocked, uh, then then obviously you, you may well um, cause issues. And you know, don't forget that that probe connector is taking, well, it will vary, but let's say uh, um, 128 individual wires, essentially, or connectors um, from the probe, you know, to, to take the signal from the transducer itself from the probe head into the into the um ultrasound machine the, the body of the scanner that's obviously an awful lot of very small fragile connections to uh, potentially put at risk so whilst they've been engineered to be robust uh, as robust as is is kind of practically possible um it's you know it, it is a is a risk factor um another thing i think uh, that is Worth mentioning, less so perhaps from a service point of view, but more from a usability point of view, is the fact that depending on the make and model of your ultrasound machine, it may be that it will not support uh, swapping probes whilst the machine is on. Uh, increasingly, systems will handle it. Uh, oftentimes, you have to press freeze first at the very least, um, and then, then you can change the probe out. But there are systems that will not facilitate that. So you, in order to switch probes, you would have to consciously power off the system um, in the normal way and then once it's once it's switched off uh, you'd then have to uh, you know uh, uh, sort of switch the two probes out and then boot up and failing to do so can uh, in some cases upset the systems fairly uh, fairly significantly so sure and you know we could probably chat all day to be honest with you about the uh, sort of 
potential pitfalls and things that um, uh, I guess Sean's um, Sean's team will see fairly regularly. Um, and and um, yeah, I think we could we could talk about those a lot. Any any sort of last points that people people want to make before we before we um kind of wrap wrap everything up together yes ben i would just like to add that um you know it should be people should be starting restarting any pc based equipment uh, you know once a week minimum um and, and that's something that's actually advised by microsoft themselves um as we all know is if you've ever been in the situation where you've had something you know, go wrong with a you know a laptop or your, your you know home PC or anything like that, and you often hear the joke of someone saying, "You know, have you restarted it?" And you'd be amazed at how many issues can be fixed by a, a simple restart. And it is good practice, especially now with how quickly systems boot up, um, is to restart your PC once a week if if you keep it on. You know, if you're a twenty four hour um a seven day a week practice, you know, you should just make a a a, a, a kind of standard operating procedure to maybe restart that every Monday morning or every Friday or something like that, just to keep everything running optimally. I really agree with you that on that one, Sean. I actually include it in training. And I actually say to people, if you're going to phone up with an issue, we're always here to help you. But we always recommend you reboot it before you phone us, because the first thing we'll actually ask you to do is reboot it. And very often by doing that, you don't actually need to call us because you're sorted and back up and running instantly and that's the best solution for everybody because in the nicest possible way we would rather everybody's equipment stayed up and didn't need to come to us for servicing wouldn't we uh, absolutely and, and if you you know if you've done that and then the, the equipment starts to work in you know you can then call us when you know things that you know maybe you're not trying to you know um, do an image on a on one of your patients, you know, and just let us know what happened. We can then advise you. Maybe it's a less stressful time, um, but at least you can then do your kind of urgent imaging at that moment in time. Uh, so absolutely, re- restart it. Very very key point. Thanks, Sean. Um, I think that probably brings us to a an excellent point to wrap things up. We could probably, um, well, as I said, as I said already, we could probably keep keep on uh, going chatting about these things um, all day. But suffice to say, I think the the message that's come out of this, and I, I hope people will take away from this, is that uh, a bit like with preventative health care for our uh, clinical patients, uh, as as clinicians, as vets, um, so equally preventative healthcare for want of a better term the servicing the, the maintenance agreements uh, and so on are an excellent way of improving the longevity and if you like the usefulness of your uh, equipment to you long term so before anything else i'd just like to say thank you very much to sean for joining us today thanks sean no problem thanks for having me and thank you to all of you who are listening out there. Um, please keep an eye on our social media for next month's episode. And as we said last week, and we will con- continue to uh, throw this out to people, if you have any ideas for topics that you'd like to see discussed or hear discussed and, and covered, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Whatever method you can find for getting in touch to us or in touch with us, uh, we have our email address, which is clinical at imv-imaging.com we've got facebook page uh, and other means via our website and so on if you um, can see show notes on whichever platform you use to get your podcasts then our contact details will also be available 
in the show notes. Kind of on that note as well, if you have a few minutes and would be happy to give us a review on your podcasting platform, if it allows it, then we'd be really, really grateful. Uh, and again, please feel free to make any suggestions. Uh, it does depend on the platform you're using. Sadly, if you're using Spotify or Google Podcasts, I know for certain those platforms won't allow reviews. Uh, but uh, Acast, uh, Apple Podcasts and so on uh, do. And if you as I say, if you had the time to leave us a review, we would be very grateful. So until next month, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me as well. Bye-bye, everybody. Take Bye-bye. care. Take care.